It's a great joy to be with you and to be able to share the story of um, what an extraordinary God can do with, with ordinary people. Um, a story starts not far from here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I came to Christ at a young life camp uh, just west of here when I heard the gospel and I heard that Christ had died for me and that uh, I could now be uh, reconciled with God. And uh, so I entered into a relationship with Christ, went off to college and uh, grew a lot in my faith during my time in college. As I was getting out of school, some friends of mine were saying, go to seminary, go, in, go into full-time Christian work, do something significant with your life. And as I prayed about that, I just felt that God was telling me that um, all of us who are followers of Jesus are in full-time ministry and we all need to be doing something significant with our life and that, that God had gifted me more in the area of business and engineering than he had in the area of preaching or teaching. And so, so my path, I felt, was in the area of business. Um, because it was, and I came back and joined our small family business in Memphis, um, but I learned in college to study scripture and I decided to study through the Bible to see what it said about money and wealth and, and business. And uh, it said a lot thousands of verses, and I'm an engineer, so I'm cataloging these verses, and, and, uh, but came away from that um, study, that two-year study, with um, a couple of major takeaways, and the first was the whole concept of stewardship, that everything that I have, everything that I am has come from God and still belongs to God, and I'm a steward, and uh, I need to figure out what God wants me to do with his stuff. Um, and the second one was a fear of wealth a fear of the negative impacts of wealth. As I saw verse after verse after verse, and I don't have time to go through them, but there were dozens of verses, and, and many of them that Jesus spoke, that made me feel that wealth could really be a dangerous thing and that business success could easily lead to a detriment, you know, have a detriment to my spiritual life, and so that we needed to be uh, careful. Um, a couple years after I got out of school, my parents, I was working for my parents, and they decided that they were going to leave the company and get on a sailboat and sail around the world. And they did for most of the next, just the two of them, off they went for most of the next seven years. And so my brother and I started a business. But before we started it, because of these scriptures that God had given us, we decided to put some safeguards in our life. And the first safeguard was that we said, um, this company belongs to God. Like everything else we have, this company is God's company. And then secondly, to avoid um, some of the pitfalls of wealth, we decided to put a safeguard in that would keep us from getting wealthy. And we put in a lifestyle cap, a lifestyle finish line. And we committed to that. Uh, we committed to each other and committed to God that this is our, our capped lifestyle. And, uh, and then we also built some accountability into our life by telling a few other people in our company about what our commitment was. And uh, this was in 1986. And the company was a very small company with about 10 employees in Memphis. But I can't tell you how, how thankful we are to God that he impressed those things on us at that point in our life because it set us on a trajectory that has been a great adventure. Um, we, um, we started our, our little business and uh, we made a little bit of money and the first year we were able to take some of that money and send it out to ministry. And we, uh, one, of the, one of the other commitments that we made is that we were going to do our giving as a group. And so at first it was six of us that got together in the company and prayed and said, God, what do you want us to do with your money? And we sent it out. And the next year there was more, and the next year there was more. And uh, 
We've just been on this amazing ride as God has grown our company about 20% a year for the last 30 years. And uh, so a company that was a little small local company in Memphis uh, now has over a thousand employees around the country. And we do, what we do for a living is we pick up and move heavy stuff. So we would mostly work in power plants and uh, oil refineries and we like smokestacks and we also put up wind turbines and um, we pick up and move heavy things. Um, but God has allowed this, this um, secular construction business um, to be a, a, a vehicle for creating wealth that can be used to fund the kingdom. And he has allowed us to be part of the lives of brothers and sisters around the world who are more godly than we are, more committed than we are, but he, somehow he allows us to be a small part of what they're doing because of the, work, the money that we're generating. You know, as we continued in, in our company, um, as it continued to grow, it, it created a problem in that the company became worth a lot of money. We're a, we're a capital-intensive business, and uh, the company became worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And as far as we were concerned, God owned it all. As far as the IRS was concerned, my brother and I each owned half. And, <laughs> and if, if something had happened to one of us, it could have been a, you know, a huge problem, uh, all this whole estate tax stuff. And, and so we were started going through that process of figuring out how to do that, and we realized that it was expensive and cumbersome. And, uh, and so we uh, went through the process of figuring out how to give away our business. And, uh, and we didn't know how to do it, and our advisors told us that that was a very bad idea. And uh, we finally connected with the folks at the National Christian Foundation, and they, very, they didn't think that it was a crazy idea. And they helped us figure out how to do it. And uh, over the course of a couple years, we figured out how to take our, money, our company and uh, irrevocably put it into a charitable trust. And uh, at first it was 99%, and then just recently the last 1%. So we are no longer the owners of our company. Uh, we continue to operate the company. We continue to actually have the voting rights. We're the trustee of the voting shares of our company. So we can continue to operate it for years and years to come. We can transfer it to, an, another, to a leadership team or another generation without any of the cost of doing that, but also without the danger of doing it. Because we, as, as I studied scripture, I really felt that that um, there was a great danger in wealth, but also a great opportunity. And so we have blunted the, the danger without blunting the opportunity. And um, so our children could become, uh, could take up the stewardship of the company without taking up the ownership. Um, we don't know what path, that, you know, we, that's, we're still early in that stage and we don't know where that path is gonna come. But um, the, uh, I would say that the lifestyle that we have led has not been some Mother Teresa sacrificial lifestyle, but it has been one where we have um, had to do without a, some stuff, some toys. Um, but we haven't had to do without any of the good stuff. And I think it's been a great benefit to our kids to, to not grow up as rich kids and to grow up being content with what they have. Um, but rather than me um, try to explain that to you, I want to have my son Nathan come up and just talk a little bit about what it's like to um, be one of our kids as we walk through this story. So please welcome up Nathan Barnhart. What a joy it is to be here. Um, as my dad said, I'm Nathan. Um, I'm the second oldest of the six kids. I, as you heard, I got married almost a year ago, and my wonderful wife, Susanna, and I live in Knoxville, Tennessee. 
So I was tasked with explaining what is it like to be the, the child of my parents. You know, parents who, parent, parents who have a very healthy um, fear, or rather a healthy respect of wealth and what that brings. Um, and to be honest, it's an interesting question because they're the only parents I have and I can't compare it to anything else. Um, but there are s several things, I'm gonna talk about two of them in childhood that really marked uh, the way that we were raised. Uh, the first off, we were, uh, we were included in giving at a very young age. I, I can remember when I was probably six, seven, maybe eight years old, my older brother and I would, would save our pennies, nickels, and dimes for the months leading up to Christmas because around the 1st of December, we'd get a catalog um, that, that had in there ways that you can bless people around the world, whether it's uh, families in India or China or Africa, wherever it was, um, and kind of ran into our first giving dilemmas, you know, being, uh, having to really sit there and think about, do, do we give a goat to a family in India or 10 chickens to a family in Kenya? Because we grew up on a farm and we know the pros and cons of each. And so we had to really, we had, you know, we had to figure out what, what would be the best way to give. Um, and, which that's a very you know small small thing to give, but I think it, it it does say something about the way that we were raised. You know, my uh, my dad was building the company to what it is now and very involved in ministry. And my mom, she she homeschooled and raised six kids. Um, and again, we were out in the country and we really didn't have a lot of stuff, um, but we were raised in a uh, just in a culture of generosity and contentment in what we had. Um, another thing that my dad very briefly hit on was the difference between tools and toys. Uh, tools are things that we have that, um, that can benefit the kingdom and have real purpose and meaning. And, and toys are things that we just have for kind of our own pleasure um, that, that don't have as much meaning. And, and we were taught that our lives would be about more than amassing toys. And, and I was on board with this, you know, again, I was really young. I thought it was, sounds good. Um, you know, I didn't, we didn't know what we didn't have. Um, and so when I was probably 11 or 12, I, you know, I was like any normal kid. I love cars. I love fast cars somewhat, but I'm, I'm kind of more so into the really big heavy duty trucks. And so I went to my dad and said, hey dad, I think we should get a Hummer. And, and, you know, I was dreaming, all right? Um, and, and so my dad kind of, you know, he, he didn't immediately say no. In fact, he said, Nathan, that's a great idea. I'm thinking, what? <laughs> uh, he said, what if we got two Hummers? That's even better. <laughs> you know, that's... Um, but, but then he said, Nathan, what if we, you know, I, I can do that for you. I can buy you two Hummers. In fact, I could buy you enough Hummers to fill up our driveway. And we lived out in the country and had a really long driveway. And so I'm thinking, this is, this is too good to be true. Where is he going with this? Um, and, and he used it as a teaching opportunity to say, Nathan, I could buy this for you. But tell you what, what if we didn't buy those Hummers? What if we, what if we took that money and instead blessed other people with it? What if we, what if we blessed people who don't know where they're gonna get their next meal? Or, or don't know where they're gonna sleep at night. You know, Nathan, there's, there's thousands, millions of people around the world 
probably billions actually, who don't have access to the gospel. What if we use that money to bless them? And, and really, even at a young age, I thought, that is a great idea. Like that is, you know, my life really wouldn't be blessed by a Hummer. It'd be kind of cool. They can park in like 36 inches of water and climb crazy things, but, but my life in general wouldn't be that different. And so uh, that's kind of when I first started to realize that, that this cap of lifestyle, this, this finish line, it, you know, it didn't keep them from, from anything. You know, it was put there so they could have all the good things. Um, fast forward a little bit, I'm in high school. Um, I was far from perfect. As you saw, my dad has some gray hairs and that's somewhat my fault. Um, but I really was bought into to what they were doing. You know, I thought, you know, I, I, especially the way I was, you know, I grew up with not a whole lot, didn't have a whole lot, but I didn't miss out on anything. And that translated into high school. Um, and one of the best ways that I was able to see that was through exposure to the world. You know, by the time I graduated high school, I'd been to five continents, probably almost 20 countries. Um, and I started to really believe that, that money is a gift from God. It's, it's his all along, and he just, he gives it to us to steward and, and to glorify him with it. Um, so, so, you know, I was able to see throughout, the, throughout traveling the world, even at a young age, you know, I was able to see Jewish and Palestinian church leaders coming together for one of the first times to, to see how they can expand the gospel. And I, and I got to see uh, the poorest of the poor in West Africa be tremendously blessed by microfinancing ministries. And not, not only that, I got to see where Jesus fed the 5,000. I got to see where he was crucified on my behalf. And if that doesn't you know, put things in perspective, I don't, I don't know it does. Um, and it was around that time that uh, my parents um, decided to give away the company. And uh, honestly, it, it was uh, less of a deal than, than even I, I guess, thought it would be looking back on it. Um, the way I was raised, that kind of seemed like the next logical step. You know, I was on board with, you know, I knew that the company wasn't ours. I knew that it was God's, even though legally and IRS and everything, it was, you know, my dad and uncle's. And so when they decided to do that, there was no, you know, stab of betrayal that now my inheritance is gone or anything like that. It was, now, I mean, now we do have the best business partner. You know, that was what he said before is, you know, it, it, all, it, all, it always belonged to God, but now legally it belonged to God. Um, so a little while later, I'm in college, or actually, I'll back up and, you know, don't, don't be fooled and think that we're any sort of perfect family. There, there are struggles. For some reason, God made our family consist of all sinners. Um, and so we've had, we've had our issues, you know. At, at a pretty young age, I remember, you know, there were times that, that my parents weren't there. You know, my dad, again, he was building this company and involved with giving. And my mom was raising six kids and very involved with ministry. And uh, there were definitely times where they weren't there for things that I wish they were there for. Um, and it was really hard to be bitter or angry because they were doing great things. If, if they weren't doing, you know, ministry directly related, whatever it was is very indirectly involved with ministry. So it's hard to be, hard to be bitter at all. Um, 
And then that even kind of went on into college where, you know, especially when I left the house, it, it seemed like there wasn't, you know, I wasn't getting the, uh, the time and attention and things like that that I needed to. Um, and that, that was a struggle. You know, my dad and I butted heads on that. It was something that I felt very strongly about that I wanted him to improve in his life, not only for me, but for the four younger siblings. You know, we butted heads. Um, and I guess one piece of encouragement, that has nothing to do with choosing a life of generosity. That's, that's, that's life. That is sin that is in the world. You know, my, I was raised by two parents who are amazing people and amazing parents who are also sinners. So, you know, that, that was, that was kind of the big struggle and, and my other siblings have, you know, kind of felt a little bit of the same. Um, so then after college, I graduate and I don't go to work at the company. Um, we're always invited to, we're always welcome to. The invitation is there, but there's no expectation. Uh, so right after college, I uh, start, went to work at a big company in Knoxville. And uh, you know, after a year, year and a half, I started thinking, I could do this. I could, you know, finding, finding success and finding promotion and things like that. I thought, you know, I could really do this. Um, but I kept coming back to, you know, what is the significance of what I'm doing? I knew the significance of Barnhart and generating wealth to invest in the kingdom. Um, the company that I worked for wasn't exactly built the same way, um, which is, you know, not unusual. Um, and so after about a year and a half, a little bit more, um, I, you know, I, I got married. And then my wife and I kind of talked through it and decided, you know, I want my good days of work and my bad days of work to have eternal significance. I wanted them to, to be glorifying to the kingdom. Uh, so then I went to go work at the company about seven, eight months ago. Uh, so what now? Right now, I got married about a year ago and uh, I actually grew up in the same church as my wife. She has God-fearing parents. I've got God-fearing parents. Um, we, were, we were raised very differently and now we're having to make our own life. Um, and there, there have been, and there still are times where, you know, I think I'm kind of ex exempt from generosity because my last name's Barnhart and Barnhart gives away millions of dollars. Um, and, and, you know, that couldn't be further from the truth. I, you know, I am called and my wife and I are called to, to generosity, to this journey, um, whether whether we're blessed with a little or we're blessed with a lot. You know, these, this, the big decision to give away this huge company, I, I can't make that decision. That decision was already made. You know, the decision that I get to make with my wife is how are we gonna use and how are we gonna steward whatever, whatever it is that God throws our way? Um, kind, of, kind of in closing, uh, a verse that keeps coming to mind, it's hard not to in a room like this, is in Luke 12, when, when Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. And, and I am greatly blessed. I have been given much. And everybody in this room has been greatly blessed and given much. And, you know, it's, it's this journey of generosity. It's an adventure. And uh, really, it's, it's just such a blessing to be, to be a part of this journey. Thank you.